You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast this week. Uh, I'm, well, you can probably hear in the voice, I'm a little bit under the weather, uh, not sick, mostly actually just hungover, but uh, we'll, we'll continue to put out the great content for all of you here fighting through it, uh, fighting through it with me, Scott, my co-host, who's going to hopefully be able to take the lead here at times if, if need be, if called upon. Uh, it's Sunday as we're recording this. Scott, how are we doing? Uh, doing good. Just got back earlier today from the woods, spent some time in the great New York state wilderness. Um, yeah, felt good to escape the sports dead zone. We're currently clawing our way through one day at a time. Um, we got, we got the Olympics though. And I, I managed to sit down for a few minutes earlier today, watched a little bit of, uh, kayaking, watched a little bit of skateboarding a little bit of diving, swimming, you know, all those things that I would never watch if it was not the Olympics. But uh, it's always interesting. I mean, it's, it's a big moment for all the athletes. Fun to watch, fun to kind of get in their head and, you know, imagine what it would be like. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Have you have you do- dove into the Olympics yet? I uh, We were watching a bit this morning. I, we were talking before we started recording. I was watching the Taekwondo, and that's one where it's, like, it's fun to watch. It's, like, you know, a lot of kicking but I had no idea what I was watching as far as, you know, every once in a while they would just get a couple points. And I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. I'm on board with that. The dude from um, Uzbekistan, I believe it was, took home the gold. So happy for him. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to, to continue to, to kind of fight through this offseason. We got, there was Big Ten media days over the course of this last week. Um, but really the big news in college football came from the other media days. We'll get to that. Uh, Michigan state wise, not really a whole lot that was noteworthy. We'll touch on it in a little bit. We got a commitment that came through chase Carter defensive end. We'll touch on that. That happened basically right when I finished recording the last episode. So we want to make sure we hit on it. Um, we got a couple fun topics here today. We'll talk about, the Michigan state roster as it currently stands and place them in a couple Olympic events. Uh, there's a couple that make a lot of sense given the players backgrounds. And there's a couple that, uh, that I've come up with at least that I think are maybe a little bit off the wall. So we'll see, you know, where we can fit a couple of these guys. We will also give our weekly over under props. So we'll find a player, we'll find a position group, whatever the case may be. We'll do kind of an over under prop bet for this coming season we got to try to keep track of these now that um now that i just mentioned it we've only had a couple so far so we'll have to go back and remember them but yeah if if this is your first time listening uh i usually sound better i think i can (laughs) i can say that so if it's your first time listening and you're wondering what this this dude uh this host out here with the scratchy voice uh i was drinking yesterday for a about 14 hours so that was <laughs> the first time having a marathon drinking day like that in quite some time uh, mostly feeling fine but the voice is absolutely shot so hopefully uh like i said scott can carry me through some times of need uh if if we find it necessary but um scott like i said a, a bunch of stuff on the docket here today uh where do you want to start 
Oh, let's see. So did you mention the commitment of the week? I zoned out for a minute. <laughs> yeah. So the Chase Carter, right? Yep. The the defensive end from Minnesota. We got uh yeah, it came through right as I finished recording the last episode. So noteworthy thing here to start, I guess. He's six foot six. So we can start there. <laughs> yeah, he's got kind of a similar fl- frame to like a Michael Fletcher currently on the roster. Real big, tall guy, broad shoulders, big frame to add more size. Um, and he plays big. I mean, you watch his tape. He's, you know, one of those situations where there's just not a whole lot of people at any high school or in any area that are that size. So yeah, he's some... a full helmet taller than everyone else on the field. Yeah, it's not hard to find him. Um, uh, there's some technique stuff obviously to work through with any freshman and I'm sure that'll come with time, but, uh, definitely one that has been linked to Michigan state for a few months. I, I think a lot of people were expecting this one to come through, just didn't really know when it would. And, uh, and he did. So I know it's, it's a guy that Mel Tucker and the staff had high on their list. Uh, it's exciting to see it come through and yeah, don't want to spend too much time on it. I think this recruiting class is, is taking, it's taking shape. There's going to be a couple more additions as we come down the stretch through the summer here and into the fall. Obviously, a couple noteworthy targets like Alex Van Summeren uh, still out there lingering. But uh, but all in all, the recruiting, I think, is starting to wind down for the season. Obviously, June was a big month. July, we got a few more, and there's going to be a couple more trickling in. But um, we are now, I think... I, I'm starting to feel like we're entering the, the kind of the, the frenzy, the preseason frenzy. We're not like full steam yet. I mean, we're not in fall camp or anything, but to me, it doesn't really, we're like leaving the off season and entering the preseason. Yeah. We're, we're like mid transition period. Yeah. Here, right. And like it feels pe- people are starting to get a bit excited. People are starting to, you, know, you hear Xavier Henderson at media days talking about some kind of players to watch out for and, Twitter's starting to buzz back up a little bit. It it does feel nice to kind of get in that feeling just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll let's buzz through media days here. I didn't have honestly too many takeaways. We mentioned before we started recording here that Mel Tucker, he had about a 10 minute introductory press conference or introductory statement to his press conference. And it was just about 10 minutes of, of coach speak. I mean, I think honestly, that's because you don't want to go in, to your second season with a two and five lifetime record at MSU, you know, talking a big game without many results. I think he's going to keep it pretty timid on the microphone this season. Maybe that's just a style. We don't know yet for, for seasons in the future, but I think it's just keeping it light, you know, playing it safe and, and focusing on developing his program. So I don't know. Was there anything that he said in particular on the mic that stuck out to you? Not really. I mean, like you said, you you don't want to go out and and make a splashy press conference. You you don't want to take the focus and the attention away from just chipping away and getting better. And he he mentioned that about a thousand times about these aggregated uh, marginal improvements, uh, building the winning culture, all of that kind of stuff. And you know, I, I think as a head coach, you generally don't want those kind of press clippings you don't want that distraction from the team so I I think all in all like you know we kind of mentioned before it's it's not great for us because we're trying to find some things to talk about but uh, as far as the program it's probably the best approach uh, as we stand here today you don't want him to go out and say you know, Hey, we're dominating the state of Michigan or something, right? That's, it it would feel nice on Twitter for about 30 seconds until you realize like, "Ah, I don't think that was a good idea. So (laughs) yeah, we'll leave the, uh, we'll leave the Bolton board material to the, uh, to the folks down the road. Um, So one thing I caught, I I mean, I don't know if you watched, I didn't watch too intently, honestly, mostly just following along on Twitter, but uh, Xavier Henderson was up there. Obviously, one of the questions they asked was, we have a lot of new faces in the program this year. I think 34 new faces 34, between yeah. freshmen and transfers, 34 new players. So natural question was, you know, who should Spartan fans be paying attention to? And I mean, again, this is just kind of for the tea leaves folks to sink their teeth into something, but Xavier Henderson mentioned four names. He mentioned um, Horst, the new offensive tackle. He mentioned, actually, first he mentioned Kenneth Walker. I think a lot of folks around East Lansing are expecting 
Walker to be um, the biggest difference maker relative to what we maybe saw from his position last season. I think it's going to be more of a stable approach than people are talking about. I think you're still going to see more Jordan Simmons. You're going to see Eli Collins. You're going to see, um, yeah, a few different folks. And, but he mentioned Kenneth Walker. He mentioned um, Williams, Ronald Williams, which I thought was interesting because that cornerback position, that second outside corner position is still up for grabs. People have been talking about Williams. People have been talking about um, what's the, uh, the guy coming up from Florida. Kimbrough, Chester Kimbrough. Kimbrough, Chester Kimbrough. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's just tea leaf stuff. I don't think Xavier Henderson's going up there and, you know, going to reveal all the secrets of the program. Um, he knows better than that as a senior, but um, yeah, it's interesting. Quiveris Crouch was the last name. So I know linebacker is a, is a big position to, to pay attention to this season for a lot of MSU fans. Um, so does that mean Crouch is going to be the second starting linebacker well, or the first, I guess we don't really know anybody who's, who's got a, I, I would be role. surprised if he didn't go in and, and start from day one. I, I think it's at the point where it's just, it's such a, thin room as we Mm -hmm. stand right now and he was a guy who came in and started in the sec played really well um i I would be shocked if he didn't come in and start from day one i really would yeah i'm i mean i'm expecting that as well he's listed a little bit smaller at 230 pounds which gives us a nice um compliment to the bigger guys that we have in the program chase klein noah harvey and actually what surprised me Ma'anau Teote are all listed at 245 pounds. So there's not a whole lot of teams who are playing a two linebacker set with both those linebackers pushing 250 pounds. It's just not a lot of speed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Quiveris Crouch, a former running back, five-star running back recruit who has speed and athleticism, I think makes a great compliment to one of those bigger guys, whoever it ends up being. So we'll see, obviously. Um, yeah, we 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 mentioned the uh, the practice that we'll do in a second here with uh, just kind of picking some Olympic events for for some of the players on the roster, and I can reveal one that I won't be choosing, and that's Noah Harvey in the hundred meter sprint. <laughs> that's what I think we can pretty comfortably leave off the list. I'm going to make you when we get to that segment. I'm going to force you to choose an Olympic sport for Noah Harvey. <laughs> What's the one that causes the least amount of athleticism? (laughs) I'll let you sit there and ponder that for maybe it's archery. I don't know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, but other than that media days, it was pretty tame. There wasn't a whole lot of headlines coming out of the MSU segments. Um, I'm ready to leave it at that. I think all eyes are just on fall camp and getting into the season and uh, yeah, we'll we'll roll on. So let's talk about the other media day. You right. I was just going to say the the big, big news that came out of media days around the country that had all of social media going absolutely ballistic for a few days. Yeah. So, I mean, if you live under a rock, if you're like me and have been spending some time in the woods and maybe don't have access to literally anything, um, Texas and Oklahoma are rumored to be actively pursuing their departure from the Big 12 also rumored Um, to be like damn near a done deal like depending on who you believe not only leaving the big 12 but going to the sec so i don't even know where to start with this i mean i guess first and foremost if you're texas and oklahoma kevin what's the incentive money to be leaving the big money 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 there's no other reason but money i mean if you're oklahoma you're sitting in a spot right now where you have dominated the big 12 you're putting yourself in a position in a four-team playoff to make the playoff just about every year and we you expand that to the 12 team playoff that seems to be kind of where everything's headed and they're they're guaranteed a playoff spot in the big 12 but the thing is you move over to the sec and you're you're looking at week-to-week games of replacing a Kansas, a, you know, West Virginia, a Kansas state matchup with an LSU, a Texas A&M, uh, Tennessee, even 
you know, for as bad as they've been, that's still a big draw as far as ticket sales, as far as TV revenue. So it's, it really comes down to money. And at the end of the day, it, it is a more appealing, more sought after product. We, as national college football fans, we are much more likely to tune into a even two mid-level SEC schools. I would much rather watch Ole Miss play Kentucky than I would Kansas State play Texas Tech. I mean, that's just the reality of it. It's it's better football. Um, I, I do think at times the whole SEC thing does get overblown a little bit because of Alabama's dominance. I think if you removed Alabama's, you know, recent insane historic run from the equation would they still be the best conference in the country probably but i don't think it's nearly as big of a margin as people think it is now adding oklahoma and texas that might change that a little bit but no i think it all comes down to money and i think it is at least an entertaining move. I, I don't know if it's a good or bad move for the SEC. I don't know if it's a good or bad move for the Big 12. I don't know if it's a good or bad move for Oklahoma and Texas. Um, but it is going to be entertaining. I, I do. I am interested in watching Oklahoma take on an SEC schedule week in, week out, rather than, you know, like I said, playing Kansas and Texas Tech and Baylor week in, week out. So um yeah it's it was wild dude it it all took off in the matter of what like two days yeah <laughs> it's crazy yeah. And it was it, uh, the first i heard of it it was very much rumor haha imagine if whatever and by 36 hours later it was all right what's the big 12 going to be after this you know like all right it's happening is there going to be a big 12 after right this, well right? so like... that's yeah i mean <laughs> that's where i wanted to take this too and i think it, it lends well to what we want to get into is um, what's going to happen to the big 12. And to me, it's, I think the most likely scenario is any school with value to provide to another conference is going to be shopping in themselves. Oh, they, they have to be doing that already. I mean, right? whether if, it's if to you're... become a paramount school in a group of five mountain West, um, the Mac, whoever it is, or you're, you know, a big enough brand and a talented enough program to join a power five program like the big 10 or the sec or the pac 12 at this point i'm not even sure ge geography matters no um, no i think we're past that <laughs> I, I think like i wouldn't be surprised to see kansas state join the acc like i, I don't know it, anything's up for grabs so that's where i want to take this let's talk big 10 um yeah we were can take no, we you were can... we were just going to talk about that. Like, yeah, we're we're kind of thinking, okay, so the SEC is making this power play to we we'll take 16 teams, we'll take 20 teams. We're going to be the show. And so you're going to look at the Big 10 who I think is the clear like if we were doing kind of rank the power 5, right? The SEC is number 1. I think the Big 10 is a clear number 2. And then you have the ACC, the Pac-12, whatever order you want to put them, and, and the Big 12, obviously. So if you're the Big 10, I guess first before we get into this little draft that we're going to do, are you interested? Like we're, we're going to play a little game, have a little draft where we're kind of going to force our hands and say, okay, let's, let's hypothetically pretend that we are going to expand. What teams would you want to add? But before we get into that, like, do you want to add more teams? Would you rather just sit where we're at at 14? Do you want to add anybody else? I, I guess, what's your take on that before we get into this little draft? It's, it's a tough question. I mean, honestly, my ideal world, there would just be less teams and everyone could play everyone in their conference every year. You know, you'd have like 12 teams in the conference and you go through an 11 week big 10 season and you play everyone. Um, but we're past that now. So do I want to add more teams? I only if we get to pick, and I think that's what <laughs> we're going to do. Like if it's just like more teams for the sake of more teams, no, because chances are they're going to be at the bottom of your conference, whoever you're bringing in. And then it's just going to Rutgers your product. <laughs> I mean, Nebraska seemed great until we, they came in and just suck every year. 
Um, right. Nebraska, like, like at the time, that was a great move because Nebraska was coming off a, a stretch where they were still not dominant, but really strong in the Big 12. And we had the opportunity to take on a national brand, a team that was still performing on the field. And then once we got to the Big Ten, everything fell apart. But at that time, it was a good move. At the time, Maryland and Rutgers didn't make any sense. And today, it still doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so I would say if we can have our pick, which obviously we would, I mean, the the league would vote on anyone that joins. I think it's healthy, especially because if we can take teams from the Big 12, and we'll get into who, who we would prefer taking, and if we can take some of the better teams left, you could improve the product of the Big Ten West, which needs an influx of programs that are going to push the competition level up. And it's been improving. I mean, the last two, three years has been better than before then. I, so I kind of disagree with that. Like I, the, well, I, I would agree if we could add a top tier team, but the problem is we're not. And the problem right now with the big 10 West is there's just a bunch of pretty good teams and there's Wisconsin and Iowa on a year-to-year basis who are a little bit better than that. But you have a bunch of Minnesota, um, you're looking at Northwestern, you're looking at a bunch of teams who year to year are like, they're pretty good, but they're not that good. And unless you add, there's one school that we'll get to that I think could significantly improve it um, by, by adding kind of a top, a potential top tier team. But without that, it, I mean, you're looking at a bunch of schools who would probably just be adding like a, another pretty good team to where that, that reputation, the big 10 West has of just like, eh, it's just a bunch of, nah. like you wouldn't really. So like if we're adding a, another slightly above average team, like I don't, that doesn't really move the needle. Yeah. I mean, Ideally, you'd put Oklahoma or Texas in the Big Ten West. Right. You'd, you'd want I mean, a brand. That would be nice. You want a brand that can recruit to a high enough level that they have the opportunity to give Ohio State a run for its money as the dominant force in the conference. You can't have that team in the Big Ten East because the 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 amount of and to a degree for some years we have with like a Penn State or at the time when Michigan State was at its peak you have your two best teams by a landslide in one division it's not a healthy way to set up the division like in a vacuum I mean Oklahoma and Texas are I'm just counting them as SEC schools now if we if we had though the opportunity to basically just swap Nebraska for Oklahoma Big Ten gives the SEC a real run for their money because you have two teams, like one on each side of the conference that are year in, year out, playoff contender type programs. You still have a level beneath of Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State on, you know, if if we're up. And then a rotating group of of your Northwesterns, your Minnesotas, your Indianas who have the potential of getting up your, your Iowa's who are usually up there um, without that being possible. Seemingly um, there's a bunch of teams that we'll talk about that, you know, I think might add a little bit, but aren't going to, you know, push us anywhere near the sec, especially if they're adding those two programs. So, so let's get into, I mean, we've talked enough about this to, to I think we're both ready to talk about some schools here. So let's talk about, who we would want to add i is it safe to make the assumption we're adding them to the big 10 west or are we just talking big 10 as I, a whole? i'm just saying add them to the big 10 and we'll figure out east and west as as we go along um i got a list of seven i got a little big board of seven schools so we'll do three each and then that'll leave one assuming that that we have a similar group that would leave one as kind of an honorable mention that I want to make sure that I bring up, but I don't really think is worth talking up too much. Um, So we're talking just for the listeners here. We are only considering the remnants of the big 12, right. Or group of five teams who would seemingly want to move up to the power five, especially the big 10. So 
the ACC's teams that are seemingly available. Let's say the only other one that I considered including, if you want to call an audible here at the last second, is SEC teams who would consider getting out of the crowded conference. Oh, there's no way you would leave the SEC. They make so much more money. I mean, there's no reason because I would love to add like Kentucky, but no, that's that's just not going to happen. And are we considering independence? So yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say I was gonna put the qualifier on because I think if Notre Dame went to a conference, it would be the ACC. I I don't really think that the Big Ten has I don't think Notre Dame is interested in the Big Ten and we saw him play in the ACC last year and it was kind of one of those like well if they ever joined a conference well it'd probably be that one because that was the one that they joined for that year so and and aren't they already competing in the ACC in all other uh, sports right right like they're they're so uh, ACC basketball school so I think they're a Big Ten hockey school but you know all right so how Notre much Dame's does that really carry? So yeah, group of five and big 12 teams that are not named Oklahoma and Texas and just kind of go back and forth here. We'll have a little draft. We'll pick three teams each of, of ones that if we were in the commissioner's seat and these teams were available, this would be our first call. Um, this would be the teams that we would uh, be more or less interested in inviting. So Scott, um, I don't know how to determine first or second here. Uh, I don't have any coins or anything near me. Um, I'll just flip a proverbial coin and say you can go first. Okay. <laughs> so I'll take um, the one school that I kind of mentioned earlier that I think has the potential of being another Wisconsin-type level program if they were to add hypothetically to a Big Ten West, and that's Cincinnati. Um, they're, they're a a really strong football program right now. I think if you gave them uh, a big 10 platform with big 10 money, you would have a chance at keeping Luke fickle around, which I think is really appealing. Um, even without Luke fickle though, they have had a history of a lot of really good coaches coming through there. Obviously we got Mark D'Antonio from Cincinnati. Uh, Brian Kelly at Notre Dame was a Cincinnati guy. You got Luke Fickle there now. So whoever the AD is there just does a damn good job at hiring. Um, and they have a good basketball program. Like I think the identity of, of Cincinnati fits really well into the Big Ten. Um, it's one that I'm sure Ohio State wouldn't want to see. You know, they, they love being the only show in town in Ohio, so to speak. So um, I'm sure they would push back on it a bit. And Ohio State, we know, is a lot of pull in this conference. But I think at the end of the day, if we were to expand and these were the pool available, I think Cincinnati is a pretty clear number one choice, even if we're including all the current Big 12 schools. Yeah, Cincinnati's the top group of five team for me. I Honestly, I didn't write up a big board, but they were in the few names that were bouncing around my head. Um, I think a clear favorite from a geographic perspective as well. I think Ohio State would hate having another Big Ten school from their state, but they can just learn to live with that. Um, speaking of Cincinnati, I've been on their campus. Really nice. I don't know if you've ever been down there. It's a great um, city. It's like right in, not right in downtown, but it's right in the city. And, you know, students there have access to downtown. Um, and it's always nice to have something that I think East Lansing was kind of lacking was like that city vibe. You know, I mean, East Lansing has a college town vibe, but Lansing doesn't really provide an extension of that to the degree that college kids are looking to take advantage of it. That's just my take. Maybe there've been other experiences, um, but you don't have like the Ann Arbor to U of M or the, as I said, Cincinnati to the university of Cincinnati um, where you get that urban culture. But anyway, Cincinnati, great pick. Um, I want to dig into the big 12. The problem here is that there's like five programs that are all like tied and I think would fall right into that like good football program. Um, But are they going to really like elevate the degree of competition in the conference beyond that messy second tier big 10 team? But we're only, we only have a few choices here that make sense. So I'm still going to look in the big 12. Um, 
And even then it's tough. Honestly, I think I want to go with West Virginia. From a geographic perspective, you could fit them in really either conference, but likely the East or either division, likely the East. They have a good enough basketball program to fit in in the conference. And while their football program is not elite right now, it it would bring up the middle tier of the Big Ten East, which currently has like a few really good teams and a few really rebuilding, I'll put it, teams. I mean, they're bet, they're going to win games in the Big Ten East. They're going to beat a Rutgers. They're going to beat a Maryland. They're going to be competitive against an MSU, against a Michigan, against a lot of those crossover teams I, that I mentioned. I don't think they would look great in the Big Ten West again. I think they're just going to get lost in the shuffle, but I think they bring up the bottom of the mm-hmm. Big Ten East division. Yeah, and, the, you know, they had that run under Rich Rod uh, back, you know, what was that, probably 10, 15 years ago now with, like, uh, Steve Slayton at running back, Pat White at quarterback, who was a Heisman uh, finalist. They were finishing, like, top five in the country. So it was a while ago, but it it did show what's possible at a school like West Virginia. So I think if you're, if you're banking on some potential, that's a good way to go. They were number three on my big board. So I was right there with you. They have, like you said, solid football program, good basketball program as well. I think they fit regionally. They fit in kind of culturally as well. Um, You know, there's a lot of buzz with them going to the ACC and just picturing, you know, West Virginia, going up against the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the, it just culturally is hilarious to me. The Boston college, you know, you got these rowdy dudes from the middle of the mountain, the Appalachian mountains who are just coming into these like preppy East coast schools. They fit a lot better with the big 10. So I think that's a good pick. Uh, my next one, uh, number two on my board, I'll take Oklahoma state here. It's, Again, yeah. you know, geographically, they're not close. <laughs> it's it's not too bad. You know, we're not going all the way into Texas, but um, I think that's probably the best football program available besides Cincinnati. So I'll take that. They're a decent basketball school. That you know, they'll they'll make a tournament more often than not. At least, I've had a couple good players. Hopefully. Uh, soon to be Detroit Piston, Cade Cunningham, uh, to to name one. But yeah, I'll take Oklahoma State here, another football program that has shown the ability to be like a top five, top 10 team in a given year if they get the right quarterback, if they get the right pieces. So not a big fan of Mike Gundy for some off the field reasons, but uh, I I do like that football program and uh, I think they would have some potential there. So I'll go Oklahoma state here to add to the big 10. Yeah, I like it. I mean, there's, they're always up on my list of teams that I expect to push for the big 12 title. They never seem to actually get there. It usually falls apart, but I mean, they've beat Oklahoma in some of Oklahoma's better years. They beat Texas. Um, I don't know about with regularity, but they're any game, any in-conference game, you can expect them to put up a good fight. And, and you sh- I think the way I see them is really just one of those upset providers in mm-hmm. the conference, right? And it Where- does provide like a unique, you know, that that high-flying air raid offense type thing. It's something we don't really have. So it'd be kind of fun to add something like that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, good pick. Um, man, so they were probably my... I was going back and forth between them and West Virginia for my, my two slot there. Um, all right. We're digging into the, the depths here. So this is my second pick. There's a couple pack 12 teams, but I guess we're ignoring that for now. Um, so I'm going to stay in the big 12 only because I don't think there's too many group of five football teams that would be competitive in the big 10 even though this team's not particularly competitive right now in football, I'm going to go with Baylor mm. because really the basketball tie as well. I was thinking about Kansas cause I'm like, man, you'd have a great basketball program to add to big 10 basketball, but their football team is just, they've been in the basement for far too long. Baylor's been up and down with football. Obviously they have some skeletons that have come out of the closet there 
Um, and I was going to say, just, we're tossing morals aside with that pick. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so purely uh, results-based. They've had a couple different tenures that have reached success. They're actually their last two with Matt Rule, who recently departed, and um, the guys beforehand, the Bryles father and son duo. Um, so, you know, they have the support from a fan base and a donor base. They have oh, that yeah. Texas tie, obviously. Um, Christian school, which would be an interesting, uh, you know, one of the reasons that Notre Dame often is kind of Christian values from as the well. conversation in the big 10 is because, you know, it's a big Ten's a lot of big state schools. And, uh, a lot of people think it'd be strange to have a Christian school in there, a religious based school, but we're going to ignore that for now as well. Just talk football. <laughs> Baylor has had multi- success under multiple coaches, multiple tenures and a great basketball team to boot, obviously the reigning national champions in basketball um, and getting those Texas ties expanding. Obviously the big 10 has been pushing to expand into new markets coming out to New York city for a few events, Washington, DC. I think they'd be more than happy to get their product on the Texas soil. Uh, so I'm going to go with Baylor. Yeah, I actually didn't have them written down, but the more you talk about it, the more it makes sense. Uh, they are a good program. So I will go with one that it it has been generating the most buzz, I think. And I don't love it as much as, as a lot of people do. But I think at this point, you're starting to get into the weeds here with with some programs that I, I think I'll start by saying if it got to this point, you know, if again, if I'm Big Ten commissioner and the schools that we've listed off listed off have said no, this is probably the point where I would just say like, all right, we're good at 14. Uh, but that said, we're we're doing three each. I'll go with Iowa State. Um, they're right now uh, a very solid football and basketball school. The question is the football success is that directly related to their current head coach, Matt Campbell. And can you keep that current head coach? Uh, Because they haven't been very good. They're kind of, you know, you look at like Indiana pre Tom Allen, that was kind of um, Iowa state pre Matt Campbell. So if Matt Campbell does leave for a Michigan for a, a, a higher profile type of job, are they still worth a damn in football? And they have a decent basketball program, but it's not one that's going to really elevate their conference. So that's another one that I know for a fact Iowa would not be happy about, uh, even more so than probably Ohio State in the Cincinnati example. Iowa would hate to see Iowa State join the Big Ten. Uh, But uh, I think if you get to this point in the draft, again, this is where if I'm commissioner, I would just kind of say no. I, if we're getting to this point uh, where, where everybody has said no to us, I would rather just stick at 14 than at Iowa State. But uh, with that said, I, I, I'll add them here in my third pick. Yeah, I when we first started this, this was one of the first names that came into my head. They're the reigning Big 12 champion. So for a conference that's falling apart like the Big 12, how can you not include Iowa State? Right. But when you look at what they've done, you mentioned this, that that was their fourth conference championship ever they won the big 12 in 2000 they tied for first in the big 12 in 2004 um and they were seven and five that was probably like so, the seneca wallace days <laughs> they won the independence bowl that year against miami of ohio so <laughs> and their other two were mviaa championships in 1911 and 1912 so we're talking a little bit of success around World War One, and since then, one seven and five championship. I don't know how they won that championship with that record, and one nine and three conference championship this past year. So yeah, I mean, it reeks of you know, bring them in. Matt Campbell gets an NFL job or wherever else, and they turn into a basement dweller in the Big Ten West, um, and try to beat Iowa once every five years. Right. So. It's up there. It probably would have been my next pick, but yeah, I mean, we're really reaching now. Um, and I feel obligated with my last pick to find a non power five, a non big 12 school. I'm curious if it's going to be the same one I have. I'm curious to see who it is because to tell you quite honestly, (laughs) as we speak, I have not chosen anyone. There's a few mountain West teams that are kind of flirting with me. Um, 
but it just feels so wrong geographically. Like if you get beyond yeah. the Rockies, like what are you gonna you're gonna ship a team out to California once a week right. to play or vice versa? Um, you start to deal with like actual time change problems. Like yeah, I mean, we have to. The worst we have to deal with is like one hour difference because you got central time right Uh, and they pretty much just do all the kickoffs on eastern time anyway so uh, okay i already said last pick that we can go with the religious school (laughs) so this is really off the wall and i didn't expect going to to the bible belt here uh not really i'm going to the mountains i'm gonna go with byu oh interesting Um, okay they were not on my radar so coming off an 11 and one season, one of the only teams in the country that played 12 games last year, um, I guess COVID wasn't really a concern in Utah, but they, I mean, they're consistently up there. Their basketball team gets up there kind of regularly. They have a weirdly large fan base because, you know, similar to Notre Dame, a lot of Mormons um, gravitate towards them they even have a pretty significant international presence they have this whole polynesian connection um they have an african connection uh ziggy Ansa comes to mind for, mm-hmm. former detroit lion um yeah i mean they have a big brand they've had recent success their basketball team has had success on and off and uh and we're kind of desperate right now so i'm going to go with byu the the storm and mormons yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, like you said, like the time change would be a problem. Uh culturally, not sure if it's a great fit, but yeah, football and basketball, they're pretty solid in both uh any given year. So uh I don't hate it. I definitely don't like it, but um <laughs> yeah, there was I don't know, there there was a couple, I guess, just to mention. So so I finished with Cincinnati, Oklahoma State and Iowa State and you had what West Virginia uh Baylor and BYU right yeah I'm not gonna lie I don't love my list no but this is and that's the at. thing when you start looking at okay but yeah Big Ten should expand to 16 it's like well are we just expanding for the sake of expanding because that's kind of what it sounds like when you look at some of these schools um I also had written down I had Kansas State but I think it's just because I've always liked Kansas State I don't think they would really add anything I did have Kansas written down as like a it was last on the board it was like okay if if everybody has said no and I have to add somebody they at least have a great basketball program like you said I mean football they are horrible but um they got that the one G5 that I was actually a little bit interested in um, I think there's some potential here as far as it, it's in a decent recruiting ground. Um, geographically, it does make a bit of sense. Football and basketball programs have potential. Uh, and that's Memphis. That was one that I think would have been my yeah. last pick um, if if these other schools were taken. I think Memphis, there is some high school talent in that state. Um, obviously, you're competing with Tennessee and Vanderbilt. Along those but, lines kind of a similar feel towards where they're at as a program is Houston. Um, I thought about I mean, it. It's just so far away. Like it's yeah. down deep South of Texas. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, these, these group of five schools. So are there any fits going from the big 12 to a group of five that you think are good? And I, I know we didn't have this on our agenda today, but I'm just curious while we're spitballing yeah, here. Yeah, like I don't, they've been talking about like if Kansas went to the Mountain West, I think that would just be so insulting to Kansas basketball. But I, that <laughs> might be a position that they find themselves in. Um, I think the most likely situation here is that rather than the Big 12 teams going away, I think the Big 12 as it currently stands adds a couple of those AAC schools like Houston, like UCF level schools Mm -hmm. and just tries to remain relevant. Um, I think the TV deals and stuff, they're going to have a hard time selling that product without Oklahoma and Texas. But I think that's probably the most likely is they just try to kind of hang on for dear life. Yeah. I think honestly they may end up 
establishing a middle tier in college football between the power five and the group of five. The, the advantage they have is that they could pull a team from any conference and geographically not be. I mean, they already have West Virginia, right. which makes no sense. You're talking West Virginia to the East and I guess Oklahoma and Texas are the furthest West they get. But um, I mean, it wouldn't feel awkward to have a mountain West team join the big 12. Like, you know, if a Colorado, uh, Colorado's in the Pac-12, Colorado State or a Boise State or, you know, a team like that where they're they're in the West, but they're not on the West Coast, uh, I think they could join the Big 12. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they could pull some mid to high tier group of five teams, like you said, and and become this kind of super group of five or sub power five conference where they're going to get kind of lost in the middle. But now that you have this 12 team rumored, well, not rumored, but planned 12 team expansion of the uh, college football playoff, that's not, I mean, they're going to get a conference champion in um, as long as they can keep their product above group of five standards, they're going to be in good shape to say, to remain relevant. It's not going to be what they want. Obviously they want to be a power five conference like they are now. And honestly, they were, either the third or fourth best conference probably in the country. And that's pretty much out the door now, but I think they can salvage a product that is worth keeping on the field and attract some group of five teams to potentially join them. Right. I mean, the, the money will talk, somebody will join at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's such a big national story. We had to hit on it and kind of put our own flavor on it, our own kind of big 10 side on it. But um everybody's talking about it we figured we would jump in that pool um the last couple things we'll we'll touch on pretty quick here there was a a little list that i put together since the olympics are here uh i put together a few guys i I think scott you have a few as well of some current msu players football players who if we were to have them compete in an olympic event you know if we had to, to throw the roster out there and say, all right, you guys got a year to prepare for uh, the Olympics. What sports would they choose? And could they be relatively competitive? Um, I have some, Scott, did you end up coming up with a couple of them? Um, Ad lib. Yeah. You want me to kick us off here? You can do the, honors. all right. So I am going to come up with someone to add to gymnastics um, for a gymnast, gymnast, you need all around athleticism, high end strength, um, explosiveness. And I'm going to go with Kenneth Walker because I think he's got kind of the build for it. He's not the tallest guy. You can't be too tall. You got to be able to throw yourself around. Um, and he absolutely has the strength and the explosiveness. So I just can imagine him like in a vault, you know, where they're just throwing themselves down a basically a track and launching themselves off this this vault. It's a ridiculous activity, but I could see him doing that. That's that's my first pick. I had Kenneth Walker as well. I had him listed for fencing. I figured oh. he's got he's got some wiggle. He's got some ability yeah. to make you miss, you know. Okay. So if if he could, uh, you know, avoid the uh, it's not a sword, the sword. Um, I think he, he would have a nice skill set for fencing. I could see it. Yeah. I think the obvious one that I'll take off, um, I had Jalen Naylor running sprints. Uh, he was a state champion sprinter at, uh, Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Uh, he is a current program record holder in the 100 and the 200 meter dash at, uh, his high school. He ran a 1007. Uh, is that right? That oh. can't be right. 10700, which is very fast. Was it 1070 or 1007? Hang on. I got to check this because 1007 is like potential Olympic qualifying speed, I feel like. <laughs> I think you got to be. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> While you're looking it up, uh, I'm just going to throw Noah Harvey's name in here. I'm going to answer the question I posed to you, <laughs> how I would answer it. I don't know if you've come up with an answer. I'm going to put no. him on the rugby field. I think okay. he could be a solid It'll, rugby it's, guy. It's rugby sevens though. Rugby sevens is a much more spread out uh, speed game. Well, 10, seven, Oh, okay. That makes okay. a lot more sense. So you're acting like I did a lot more research than I did on this. <laughs> Noah Harvey seems like a rugby guy. You know, big shoulders, big legs. He could definitely play normal rugby. 
but rugby yeah. sevens i've actually watched quite a bit of it it is electric uh rugby sevens though is much more like kenneth walker would play well in rugby sevens uh noah harvey would okay <laughs> okay um ben van summer and weightlifting i think i was trying just... to find somebody for weightlifting and i i was hoping that you would give a, a good answer because i just i kept going back and forth between a few guys i think he's a good pick I mean, any football player is, you know, weightlifting, they're already doing it. So it's kind of a natural fit and it's, it's weight-based, right? So like, you don't have to be one specific body type to do well in weightlifting. You can just Mm -hmm. maximize your own size. Um, And then last one I want to throw in here. I don't, one of the field sports and Jalen Hunt, I don't, I'm not an expert okay, on like which same. field sport you would pick, but like shot put or a I gave him the throw. hammer throw. Yeah, yeah. That was my pick for Jalen Hunt. Big and explosive all around athlete. I think he could do well in pretty much any of those discus. Um, maybe not javelin. You got to, you got to really get yeah, javelins more of a, javelin. of a quarterback type of thing. I can I see like, like a Noah Kim javelin, yeah, like yeah. kind of slender guy, get the, get moving pretty quick and let her rip. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, the other one I had for the javelin and for baseball was Adam Berghorst because he was a 14th round draft pick. Uh, he's like six foot seven. Yeah. Uh, I put him down for baseball, but now that you mentioned javelin, I think he could, he could toss that thing. Yeah. I could see that. I also There's a lot had... that DBs would belong in like badminton, like obviously the smaller <laughs> guy athletics. I put. I put Matt Coughlin for badminton. And the reason is I was trying to find a, a way to fit Matt Coughlin into this. And I figured badminton was the closest thing we have to like a, a tailgating type <laughs> event. And I just picture okay. like Matt Coughlin out there with a beer in his hand, smacking the birdie around. I could see him golfing. That's an Olympic I, sport. I, that was the other one I, I had was Matt Coughlin for golfing. Obviously, um, soccer is kind of a natural. You want to say soccer because he's a kicker, but I, he doesn't really fit that mold. He's not like the. And pardon me if this is offensive, build. but like <laughs> foot fairy, you know, that's what we called soccer players in in high school on the football team. He doesn't have that vibe. He's more of a like I'm a kicker. He's the he, he doesn't Janikowski. now, but I think coming in, he definitely gave off little yeah. kicker soccer player vibe. Yeah, and <laughs> now he's really embraced and... the. I'm the one guy who gets to drink as many beers as right. I want. Mentality. Yeah, he's he's got the um, the Matt Prater. Shoot, yeah, Matt Prater. Yeah. So I also had I had Matt Allen. He was a three-time All-State wrestler, so I put him down for wrestling. He went 86 and four in his final two years wrestling up there in uh, Rocky Lombardi would have been up there too. I think you want to see. Yeah, he, in iowa right and i think he was a good golfer too from what i remember yeah, about his bio okay. um i had parks gissinger surfing because he's from los angeles and for no other reason i just Fair. was trying to find a cali kid yeah um, he's got some nice he's got some nice hair i think he he could fit well into the surfing community uh the last one i put down another regional based sport i had darius snow for shooting because he's from texas and i think that's mm-hmm. just a dna kind of thing <laughs> perfect fit born for it yeah, all right so, so we that, gotta... was, that was all i had there a couple things to polish off the episode here that i know we want to get to um we're each going to come up with a player prop we'll end the episode on that but first i did say i would give a shout out to anyone who posted their dog msu spartan dogs on twitter put a picture of my guy padfoot on there so i know you chimed in with luna shout out the two standing room spartan pups uh padfoot and luna holding it down we got a couple others so shout out to oreo i don't know what breed oreo is maybe some cocker spaniel-esque stuff going on real cute shout out steve um for pulsing there and then the last one new puppy new spartan dog scott l brown sl brownie um friend of the pod just adopted I don't know what it is. Maybe a golden doodle. Um, Looks, that was my guess. Yeah. Very cute. Uh, I guess maybe eight weeks ish. Uh, check it out on Twitter. He asked for name suggestions. I gave him a few MSU related ones. Looks like he settled on Gibson or Gibby after Kirk Gibson. So thank you guys for participating. I love to get a little bit of dog positivity on the timeline. Um, 
It's yeah, never then, a bad time for dogs on Twitter. Never. I think dog pictures are like, aren't they known to like lower your blood blood they pressure? They have to be. You know, I know petting dogs does that. You got to imagine seeing them would do it too. So, um, all right. So we'll polish it off here with a player prop of the week that we do not do weekly, um, but maybe we'll start. I know we said <laughs> we would and didn't. Um, so well, we had that I'll... little break where we were, I, w- I was riding solo for an episode. We missed an episode. So we'll, we're getting back into it. It's summer. It's tough. Things get tough in the summer, but um, yeah. So player prop of the week. Uh, Kevin, you want me to start this off or are you going to kick it off? Here? You can take the tee box. All right. So we were talking linebackers earlier this week. Um, I'm going to go with, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because Ma'anateote is listed at 245 pounds, which is, I think, 25-ish pounds heavier than he was listed on the recruiting sites when he committed to us um, and matches up with just about the biggest linebackers on our death chart already. He did not enroll early, just showed up on campus, I guess, as a beast. So I'm going to put it at total games started by Ma'anateote this season, 0.5. Okay, so, so you could wrap that with, I'm he, gonna will he start a game? that to mine, actually, okay. because this is funny. We, we purposefully don't tell each other what they're going to be so that we get a spontaneous answer. Uh, mine was over under one and a half starts by true freshman this year. <laughs> so, okay. um, yeah, I guess we can kind of loop these together. Um, I, I put down here. So like in 2020, we had Jordan Simmons started one game, Ricky white started three games and Angelo gross started four games. So that would give you eight, but I think it's pretty safe to say with the number of transfers that we brought in, um, and with those guys being a year older, you had a couple early enrollees, but like one's a quarterback that we know isn't going to be starting. Um, I said it, I think pretty low and intentionally at the number of one and a half, because it's either one of two things, either more than one freshman start a game or that there is one freshman who ends up starting multiple games. So I think we can kind of loop these together. Ma'anateote was probably the the number one choice of like okay if somebody is going to start and start maybe more than one game that probably is the most likely guy um i i had some options of like you know maybe cam allen by the end of the year carves out a little starting spot at tight end um there's a couple dbs that i think are interesting you got a couple offensive lineman it's always a tough position to jump in right away as a freshman Keon Coleman has a lot of fans out there um so let's let's group these together though um will Ma'anateote start and will anybody else start so I am gonna say I don't if everyone stays healthy I don't think he will start a game Nateote I think there's kind of a backlog at the top of the linebackers, and I don't think they're going to turn to a true freshman first. I think you've got Tank Brown, you've got Quiveris Crouch, you've obviously got Harvey and Klein coming back with experience. I think it's going to take a lot, unless he is he just really gets the scheme earlier than expected. I don't think he'll be at the top of the list if everyone's healthy. Obviously, injuries can deplete any organization. Um as far as total freshmen, I have to say right off the bat, I'm extremely disappointed in you for one reason. And that is because we will have a true freshman start every game this season. We only have two long snappers on this roster and they are both true freshmen. So you have completely neglected your specialists by asking this question. And I think you owe an apology yeah, to Hank, your I... specialist friends. Yeah, um, that that was uh, that was a mistake. Like I said, I was drinking for about fourteen hours yesterday. All right, so. all right, I'll give you your <laughs> mulligan just for that reason and that reason alone. But to answer your question in the way that I think you meant to ask it, will we have other than long snappers one and a half starts by true freshmen this season? I'm gonna say I'm gonna take the over, just because there are enough names in here that could. I mean, you mentioned Cam Allen, who I've been high on for a while at a position that we just have not seen a lot of predictivity from. 
we have a wide receiver slot open and Keon Coleman, he's as good an option if we see an injury or two on the outside as anyone. I, I mean, you've got a couple guys who could push for safety or nickel snaps or even cornerback snaps. I don't know who it's going to be. I wouldn't put my name on that, but I think there's enough guys in here that are kind of in that second to third string conversation that if the dominoes fall the right way throughout the season, I think just two starts. I mean, that's enough. That's a low enough number. I'd be comfortable taking the over. Yeah. I, so I will also go under on Ma'anoteote starts. I think he will have something that's similar to like what Chase Klein has been where he's playing, but he's not starting. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's going to carve out a role. I I think Mel Tucker showed last year, he's not afraid to play and to potentially start a true freshman if they're the best player in their position. Uh, Angelo Gross came in right away and became one of the best defensive backs on the team, started four games. So I don't think he's a guy that's afraid to start an inexperienced player. Um, so that said, you know, I, I think Mano Teote will get himself on the field. The problem is there's only two starting spots technically. And you mentioned, you know, it's going to be tough to, to crack that. I think in this first season, um, the starts, the total starts, I was, I was back and forth on this because, there were a couple guys. I'm like, not now Teote was one. Uh, but you know, again, there's only two linebacker spots. Keon Coleman's one, but like it's such a big jump in competition from where he was playing in high school to, to the Big Ten. There are a bunch of talented wide receivers on the team. There's a, a bunch of good offensive linemen in this class, but that's a group that's really tough to crack as a true freshman. Um I think if we're going to see anyone, it's going to be in the defensive backfield, whether that's a a Charles Brantley and AJ Kirk. um, You have Michael Gravely. You have, I think, a few of these defensive back who we we have some good starting talent. I think um, corner is a tough one, but uh, there's not a ton of depth there. So if somebody were to go down, I, I could see Mel Tucker not being afraid to dip into the pool of the true freshman uh, if need be. So I'll go over for that reason. I, I think there's, there's just a lot of good defensive backs in this class. And I think that there's a really good chance of, of one of them carving out uh, a couple starts or, you know, a couple spot starts by somebody, you know, you, you can get over one and a half, but that was kind of the reason for one and a half is, it forces you to say, okay, either this guy I think will start multiple games or, you know, maybe there's one more than one guy. But, yeah, I'll just kind of take the defensive back group as a whole and and put my name on that, that there will be at least one uh, start by a defensive back or at least two. Sorry. Yeah, if we hit the over on this, I'm not sure if it would be a good or a bad thing for the program (laughs) on on one hand. Okay, well, we have freshmen that are good enough to see the field. But on the other hand, it's like, could it be we needed him to see the field <laughs> from injury or just p- poor play by the guys who are above him? Uh, why is a true freshman seeing the field? So hopefully by the end of the year, we'll have an answer and it's a good one uh, for good reasons. Hopefully one of these freshmen is just so good. We can't ignore him, you know, in the midst of a good season. Um, all that is yet to play out. We have fall camp coming up. Kevin and I were talking, we can't really figure out from the information available, like when, fall camp actually starts but usually i think it's the first week in august um and it's about a four-week camp until the first you know the weekend before or the weekend of labor day so it should be in the next two weeks Uh, i'm sure they'll post about it once it starts up we also this week i think july 31st which is saturday have this big recruiting event starting spartan dog con i think they're calling it like um so we'll talk about whatever comes out of that on the episode next week. I, they don't have a lot of details around exactly what it's going to be. It looks like they're just trying to get a lot of high profile recruits on campus at once and do a little event out of it rather than just another weekend of, of campus visits. But we sh- don't really know yet. So we'll, we'll let you know what that's all about next week. 
Yeah, um, we have the high school uh, football camp going on at Michigan State as we speak. Um, I know there's a bunch of clips of like that Detroit King quarterback, the 2023 class. Um, as I'm sitting here on Twitter, Justin Thin just put in a crystal ball for Antonio Gates, the wide receiver. So maybe there's some buzz that he'll be committing soon. He's been linked to Michigan State for ages. Um, four-star guy. So I think that that'll be a good one to add to this class. Um, yeah, uh, that's about it. Yeah, so obviously we're, we'll always keep you in the loop. I'm sure there will be some other news that happens to uh, to come through throughout the week. But uh, working. Oh, last thing, I'm working on the top 40 running back list this week. So last year, uh, I'm sure most of you saw it. it. It made its way around a bit. I did the top 40 quarterbacks in program history. This offseason, I'm tackling the running backs. I'm starting that up this week. Uh, my writing. So I put it out on Twitter uh, already, but if you have any suggestions, if you have any guys that you believe should be ranked highly, uh, feel free to tweet at, at, at Standing Room MSU um, and, and give me your opinions. I know I already got one. Uh, somebody responded. Dave Osborne uh, responded. His top three was Lorenzo White, Tico Duckett, and Blake Ezor. Uh, he mentioned that Highland Hickson and Jeremy Langford, uh, Le'Veon Bell, all guys that that should be in consideration, Javon Ringer as well. So um, I had a ton of fun with doing that last year. Uh, I got a little bit of time this week that I'm going to be able to just kind of sit down, go through the history books and, and try to find some. There's, of course, going to be a lot of those guys that played before my time. So um, for the older listeners who want to, you know, shout out their guys from basically any time before the nineties, um, I would be glad to hear your opinions and, and kind of the vibe around some of these guys, because I can get the history books. I can get, you know, some articles that were written. I can obviously get the statistics, but, um, you know, a, a lot of times it is good to get the, the feeling of the people that were actually watching and, and going to games around that time, you know, you, you have guys like from our time, right? Jared, Jeremy Langford, Javon Ringer, who maybe their impact on the program and, you know, what they were in the stat sheet might tell two different stories. So uh, I appreciate any, any feedback or any uh, advice, any suggestions uh, at standing room MSU on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, and on the subject of writing as a whole, it's something that Kevin and I have both wanted to amplify a little bit more for you guys, our listeners and our followers. Um, just gives us a different medium and a little bit different format to put some content out for you guys. So if you like it, if you come across an article we happen to post and you appreciate it, you like that medium, um, a little different from the podcasting, let us know. It, it helps us to know that it's not falling on deaf ears and you guys like it that way. So right. standingroomspartans.com. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we've got some really exciting stuff. Um, I, I'm not going to, not going to go into detail here, but we've got some exciting stuff that should be coming out between now and the season. So keep listening throughout the Under promise over the deliver. That's our, yes. that's our motto here. So stay or, tuned or under promise and under deliver that, you know, depending on your perspective. <laughs> In any event, take it easy. Enjoy your summer. July is coming to an end. The next time you hear from us will be August. So hope everybody's summer's going well. Wear your sunscreen and uh, keep the beers cold. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.